But there were some evil actors in the crowd that wanted Jesus to die. Who were those evil actors? They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were the people in charge of Jerusalem at the time. They were the religious leaders. The early church gathered together for worship and prayer, and the early church expanded. Join Pastor Hook as we learn lessons from the book of Acts as God grows his church. So we are in uh, episode one, two, three, four. We're in episode four of our study, um, God Grows His Church. This is a, a detailed, uh, kind of a weird look at the book of Acts because the major player in the book of Acts, you may think is Peter, you may think it's Paul, you might think it's all the apostles, but the major player, in my, in my opinion, the major player in the book of Acts is the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And we saw yesterday how the Holy Spirit came upon the church. They were inside a room in Jerusalem, probably 120 of them. The Holy Spirit comes, descends on their head, speak on tongues of fire. Uh, speak uh, descended on their heads like tongues of fire, and then they spoke in tongues. And everybody could hear their own tongue. And this was a reversal of the curse at Babel, where God broke up mankind into several different groups speaking different languages so that they would no longer be one tribe, but they would be several tribes. And how I talked about how I believe that that is a gift from God to create um, several different tribes of mankind so that we wouldn't necessarily fight each other, but that we'd have the ability to look at things from different viewpoints because tribalism... Um, it creates typically a way that that tribe looks at everything. And sometimes they get so invested at the way they look at things that they don't look at other ways of looking at things. And so I believe that the Tower of Babel was a great gift to mankind. It does cause wars. It does cause strife. It does cause all sorts of problems. But the one blessing that it does, the Tower of Babel, um, is that it it forces us into tribes that you know you are you have a high affinity with people that speak your language right <laughs> I mean there might be other reasons why you might uh, be affinity with other people you know age affinity groups or you know we we like bowling or we like uh, softball we like sports we like music uh, we're the same age we're the same skin color I mean there are lots of different reasons why. People form into tribalism, but um, but language, you can't avoid the language one. We are social beings, and we have to communicate with other people in our tribe. So when God chose language as the way to create tribes of people uh, at the Tower of Babel, that was, uh, that was a pretty brilliant move by God to do an instantaneous tribe. <laughs> I mean... It's like, what, what language do you speak? I speak this language. Okay, what language do you speak? I speak this language. Okay, and they go over there and they all speak their own language and now they're tribes. And it's like, uh, what about this other tribe? Well, we can't do anything with that tribe. They don't speak our language. So we're just going to let them do their own thing. <laughs> and uh, we're going to do our own thing and we're going to see how this goes. And it forced, it forced people into, you know, strong tribalism, I must say. Uh, and it split apart people, but it, it forced pe- mankind to go in a new direction 
And that direction maintained until they got to Pentecost. And then at Pentecost, it all comes together again uh, because the Holy Spirit comes and they all speak and, the, you know, it breaks the curse of Babel, right? But it also, because it all came together and everybody could hear, it, it, it showed the universal reach of God's church that it may have started in Jerusalem, but that God wants the church to expand to every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Uh, if that's not the clear evidence of this Holy Spirit moment, this Holy Spirit encounter, I don't know what is. Uh, and so the church has been expanding the ever since. Jesus said, I want you to spread my message, my gospel. I want you to spread what I do to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, right? So it starts in Jerusalem and it spreads out, and the church did that. And God used the power of the Holy Spirit here so that everybody could hear the message, but as it goes out, it's the power of the Holy Spirit just because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that everybody has inside them. And I also talked a little bit yesterday about how we went from... Um, uh, from a collective viewpoint where we're we're not we don't have individuality we are part of a collective and that collective is either loved or hated by god or does things or doesn't do things and that's a very powerful force uh churches have that nations have that uh, communities cities towns all those have that collective um feeling, but there's individuals in the collective. But after Jesus came, then we're no longer known by the collective, but we're known by our individuality and how we've been moving since the time of Jesus into a very, very individual uh, way of thinking about God, that God doesn't love me because I'm part of the church that I attend on Sunday morning, that congregation, or that God doesn't love me because of my family, as it was in the Jewish uh, religion. There was a head of household, and if that head of household was Jewish, then everybody in the household was Jewish, and God loved and blessed that household because they were part of that household that was Jewish. Now everybody can go to God individually, regardless of the household, which was a major shift. I mean, a huge major shift, um, and has had long-lasting implications for the church because now the church is struggling from moving from that collective way of thinking into an individual way of thinking. And um, and the church has really, uh, I mean, they've kind of balanced both. But I think that as we move into the digital age and people can communicate with anybody in their own language, uh, I just think about what life's going to be in 20 years. You could make a phone call with somebody that speaks Swahili. You can kind of do this now but it'll be a lot more automated where you will say something into the microphone and then Google Translate will translate that from your language into somebody else's language and you'll be able to communicate with them as if you had spoken in Swahili. And then the Swahili person will hear it in Swahili, they'll answer in Swahili, and then the computer through artificial intelligence and artificial voicing will change that to... English or whatever language you speak, and you'll be able to hear it in English, uh, and you'll be able to go back and forth. And the person who speaks Swahili would never need to learn English unless they absolutely had a desire to do that. Um, or, you know, and you could, the artificial intelligence will do that too, because I think everybody will either speak either Mandarin or English, you know, in 20 years as, as a secondary language. Um, and then uh, 
you'll be able to communicate with any person in this earth individually. You'll be able to have a conversation individually. You'll be able to uh, do all these things individually with people in this earth, uh, which is just absolutely phenomenally and mind-boggling. I just find that fascinating. I really do. Um, all right, so um, that's kind of where we left it. That That is the Holy Spirit is now active in each individual. It's no longer... The collective, but it's in the but the church is still known as the church, and God gave a mission to the church, which is the ultimate collective, which is the people who are called out by God to serve Him, to be His hands and feet, and to redeem the barren wasteland uh, as a result of sin on this earth. God put the church, the Christian church, on this earth to redeem it, to bring Him closer to them, to use all the things, the technology and the communication and all that to create one church it can meet in a whole lot of different tribes. It can look a whole lot different, but at some point they have to be one church. Remember in John 17, Jesus said, Father, I pray that they, meaning his disciples, the 120, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. And so part of all of this communication technology and tribalism, through all of it, we need to understand that we're one Christian church. And that's a, man, so that means that we're one with, you know, all the other churches that meet on Sunday morning here in Vail. We are one with them. We might meet in different tribes. We might have um, what I call the best theology, Lutheran theology. Um, you know, they might have better things in the things that they do. They might have ministries that reach out in different areas. We might have ministries that reach out in different areas, but we're one church. And um, I believe that in the age of the internet, uh, which is no longer the written word, we as a church will no longer see ourselves as different denominations fighting against each other, but we'll see each other as different denominations providing different things to the world and trying to redeem the world in different ways, but we're all part of one church. And... Um, that will probably happen in, I mean, it's already started to happen. I mean, we, you already have, um, you know, many, 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 many churches reaching across the aisle, you know, doing things with other Christians. Um, and that has been very, very helpful. And I think it will continue to grow. And so that even, you know, before where a local congregation was there to, uh, you know, protect the the identity of the tribe, which I love my tribe, by the way, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I mean, that's like my heart is still heavily invested in that. Um, that's, But at some level, we also need to, you know, reach across the aisle and partner with other organizations and other churches to do God's hands and feet in the world. I kind of see Christ Lutheran Vail as being um, obviously heavily involved in youth and family ministry, uh, particularly with young kids, with our uh, MOPS group, with our early childhood center. Um, those are the types of things I think we really, really have always been very, very invested in. Um, I think that might expand into more of a holistic youth and family and, fam you know, families and, to you know, that uh, that whole that whole age group from from marriage to when the kids go off to you know leave home that whole area is such a beautiful time 
and helping families navigate that is a big part of what I believe our mission is here at Christ Youth Vale. Uh, it may not be every church's mission. They can do other things, which I'm very, very happy, but I kind of see that as our primary mission. <sighs> All right, so what happens? Um, well, what happens is that Peter addresses the crowd. Now that the Holy Spirit has come, Peter addresses the crowd, and this is what he says. We'll just read from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So they've obviously created a crowd. The crowd is like, yeah, man, these people, there is no tongues of fire. They're just drunk. They're hungover from the next morning. And Peter's like, no, we're not drunk. This is an event of God coming into mankind. So you need to listen carefully and you need to hear what this event was all about. Peter talks about it. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All right, so this is um, what Peter comes up. He prophesies, and I'm just looking down at the footnote C. This is from Joel 2. 28 through 32. That was a reference from Joel. Um, and he's, so he goes back to the prophet Joel and he says, listen, this is the prophecy from Joel is being fulfilled. This is when God is doing his thing in mankind. And he came in the person of Jesus. This is the time that the prophet Joel talked about. It happened. So then he goes on to, to tell why that is. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. But God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So that's now, so Peter said, listen, this was all from the prophet Joel. This was going to happen and it happened. Jesus of Nazareth came. Now notice that Peter doesn't um, blame them directly for putting Jesus to death, which is fascinating. Instead, he says, listen, you put him to death, but you had uh, he was he was handed over to you, but it was God's plan, right? God's foreknowledge and the help of wicked men. It wasn't necessarily you by yourselves. There were some wicked players. There were some evil actors in this whole thing that came and helped you, and you put him to death. And who were those evil actors? Those have been the people that shouted from the crowd, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" I mean, it was that. It was those words. I mean, I know we put all the blame on Judas because he handed over Jesus. But if 
if he'd gone in front of Pilate and Pilate said, yeah, I can't find anything, um, you know, I'm washing my hands of this and all that. But there were some evil actors in the crowd that wanted Jesus to die. Who were those evil actors? They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were the people in charge of Jerusalem at the time. They were the religious leaders that Jesus tried to show them over and over and over again that he was the Messiah, and they would not listen. They would not listen. They were so wrapped up in doing God's work and following God that they would not listen when God became flesh to dwell among them. They couldn't see it. There was, uh, there's a great show out right now. It's called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, an actor I've seen before and I actually like him. He's a pretty good actor. plays the part of Nicodemus. And uh, he comes to Jesus at night and they discuss. He's a Pharisee. And discusses, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, absolutely, I am. And it plays out really beautiful in The Chosen because he wants to follow Jesus. He, he wants to be one of the 12 that goes with Jesus on the journey and does all that sort of thing. Um, and if you haven't seen it, I might be doing a bit of a spoiler. But there are forces, because of his position, who he is, and the amount of clout he has and what it would mean to the religious community in Jerusalem, he's not able to go with Jesus. Uh, and it is just absolutely gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching that he can't go. Uh, he could go. He could go. But the cost would be great. The, the cost of him going to be with Jesus and being one of the 12 was a cost he was not willing to bear. Because for some people, the cost of following Jesus is a very, very, very high cost. Um, it's a cost that is, uh, is, is just very, very high. Um, Jesus said he's going to come and put enmity between families, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, even between people. And, the, and Jesus is calling everybody at every age to follow him and to do the things that he says are important to bring about the kingdom of God on this earth. And that, sometimes that cost is very, very high. Um, just think about that over the, over the course of the next three days. Um, have you had to, what have you had to give up to follow Jesus? What what are the costs of some of the things that you've had to bear to follow Jesus? And was it worth it? Maybe those are the two questions. All right. So um, I think I'll leave it there. We're going to pick up um, and we'll continue on the story. Uh, there's another prophecy that, that he has. And then, then, of course, the most amazing thing happens. And we're going to talk all about that at the next episode. So join me in prayer. Gracious God, thanks for this day. And um, keep us all safe with your spirit. Till we meet again, in Jesus' name.